We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Pastor Muta. So today we have a special guest, Pastor Scott Espling, the teaching pastor over at Relevant Riverside. So lean in, take notes. It's going to be a great word. Hey, welcome home to Relevant Church. We are super excited that you've tuned in for our online worship experience this morning. Hey, do me a favor. Wherever you are this morning, drop it in the comments. Let us know where you're watching, who you're watching with. We are so grateful that you've tuned in this morning. We believe that God has an amazing word and an amazing worship experience that we've put together for you. This morning, we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. And as you turn there, I'm going to pray and then we will dive right into God's word. Father God, thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning. And Lord, we just ask that you would just help us to quiet our hearts, quiet our minds, that we would tune in to the message that you have for us in your word. Lord, we just thank you for the way that you love us. Lord, church is different right now. Everything is different right now. But the one constant is that you remain faithful yesterday, today, and forever. So we thank you for the way that you love us. We ask that you would bless our time together this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, how's quarantine been treating you guys? At my house, it's been just so much fun. So many blessings, quarantine blessings. The biggest one by far has been Disney Plus. And I'm, let me walk that back a little bit because it's kind of been a mixed blessing. So I have an 11-year-old son and we've just been having so much fun watching the Star Wars movies. We stay up late at night. We started with episode one. I actually slept through the first two because they're really bad. But it's just been fun for us to connect on, on something that I enjoyed when I was his age. Um, the other side of it is that I have two little girls and they find a movie and they watch it for like eight months straight. <laughs> so like Frozen 2 comes out and it's all they wanted to watch. They, like my four-year-old will sit and quote the movie lines as the characters are speaking them. I have a two-year-old that will sing along with the songs and, and it's really adorable. But after like three weeks of the same movie, I've kind of had enough. They, they went to see Onward with their grandparents in the theater a couple weeks ago and Disney was generous enough to release it while it should have still been in the theater, blessing for me is that I've seen that movie 80 times in quarantine. Uh, a few, few months ago, they were really into this movie called Inside Out, and I don't know if you've ever, ever seen it, but it's a really interesting take on the way that human emotions work internally inside the mind. Because we all experience things that our brain then interprets and gives us a, an interpretation of the world around us. So when you touch the stove, you learn that it's hot and that you don't want to touch the stove anymore. So when we smell something, our brain interprets the sensory perception from our nose and says, I don't want to eat that. And if you've been paying attention to the news for the last four months, it's easy to get a perception of the world that our brain then interprets and gives us a, a way to navigate through all of the crazy. You know, and, and it's not just the news, it's the, the politics of all of it. It's the, the scare of the health crisis that's part of it. It's the fear and knowing that we have people who are passing away because this virus that is just impacting the whole world. The crazy thing to me is that there's this sense in which it's all relative. You know, I was reading the other day that in Riverside County where we are, there's 2.3 million people. And the last data that I saw that there's only 2,000 cases of coronavirus here. And of those 2,000 cases, only 50 deaths. Now listen, I don't want to relativize death. Yeah. I have friends here in Riverside who have lost family members to coronavirus. Mm -hmm. 
I have friends on the East Coast who are burying parents who they lost to the coronavirus. I don't want to relativize death. God values every life. But relatively speaking, coronavirus hasn't had a local impact like it has in other places in the world. So it explains why we react differently to it as well. If you've been to Costco recently, I get there at 10 o'clock when they open and there's already 300 people gathered to get into Costco. It's a different story in New York City. New York City is a city of 8.3 million people. They've had 110,000 cases of coronavirus. They've lost 8,000 people. Their sensory perception of their reality changes the way that they live. If you've seen pictures of Times Square in Manhattan, absolutely empty. Our brain interprets the messages that our world is sending us, and then we adjust our lives accordingly. In Mark 10, we're going to meet Jesus, and he's going to challenge. Jesus is going to challenge the way that we sense and perceive the world that we live in. He's going to ask us to, to stop interpreting the data that our brain receives based on our experience in this life. He's going to ask us to understand this life through his person and through his work. So join me in Mark chapter 10, and we're going to start in verse 46. They came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd. Let me just pause right there for a second because I, it, this is very interesting to me, the way that Mark writes this. They came to Jericho and as they were leaving Jericho, there's no pause, there's no stop. They came, they leave. Now it's interesting to me because if you've been in church for a minute, you understand that Jericho has a great significance in, in the Bible. You'll remember that the children of Israel were were enslaved in Egypt and that God raises up Moses and he, he delivers them out. And then after 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness, God brings them finally into the promised land. And the first city that they come to is the city called Jericho. And it's out on the plain and it has high fortified walls. The people hear that the Israelites are coming. And so they all hide inside their city for protection. And God has other plans. God tells Joshua, have your army march around the city once a day for six days. And then on the last day, the seventh day, have the priests blow the trumpets as they're walking around seven times and the walls come falling down. I remember growing up in Sunday school, singing that song. I'm not going to sing it for you. You can thank me later. But Jericho is a very important place in the Bible. And it represents what God can do with minimal resources. When the people are panicked and full of fear, God takes charge and he knocks down the walls of Jericho. It's kind of a big deal. Our expectation is that when Jesus comes to Jericho, he's going to do something epic that's going to rival what God did in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. He comes, he leaves. Nothing. The first thing I want you to take away this morning is that in terms of your senses, Jesus disrupts your sense of timing. It's important never to forget the things that God has done in your life. Hopefully, we've all experienced Jericho at some point where God stepped in, where God did the unexpected, when God did the miraculous. And don't ever forget those things because God wants you to understand that, that he has done it before. He's capable of doing it again. Yes. But the thing to remember is that if you're going to stay stuck in the past, you are going to forget where God wants to bring you in the future. Good. Don't get stuck in the past. Jesus disrupts your sense of timing. 
Please don't hate me for saying this, but I grew up in New England and as a football fan, I love the New England Patriots. And they always were horrible when I was young. I remember 1986, they got absolutely throttled by the Bears in the Super Bowl. This was my, my history with the Patriots until Tom Brady comes along. And Tom Brady is a, an amazing athlete. He leads them to Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl. And I remember one year they're getting ready to play in the Super Bowl. He's doing an interview and, and Terry Bradshaw asked him, hey, listen, you've been here before. Of all of the championships you've won, which one is your favorite? And Tom Brady looked him dead in the eye and said, my favorite is the next one. And this is how God wants us to act because he's always moving. He's always pushing us. He's always bringing us to the next place that he wants to, to, to bring us. And if you're stuck in the past, you're going to miss the move of God in the right now. So let's keep reading Mark chapter 10. They came to Jericho and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. So here's the thing, right? Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. There, there's some really significant things that are going to happen in Jerusalem that Jesus needs to attend to. He's about to go to be tried. He's about to go and be crucified. He's about to go and die on the cross so that all of us can have a renewed and reconciled relationship with God. It's very pressing kingdom matters that, that are on his heart and on his mind, things that he needs to attend to. He's going to accomplish his mission to save the world. Relative to Jesus' journey, this man Bartimaeus is fairly insignificant. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't offer any value to Jesus's life or his ministry. Relative to his society, this man Bartimaeus is absolutely worthless. You know, in, in a, it's interesting to me that Mark tells us twice about Bartimaeus's family tree. He says, this man is named Bartimaeus, which literally means son of Timaeus. He's a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus. Twice, Mark points out that he's the son of Timaeus. There's something about Bartimaeus' family tree that Mark wants us to understand, mm -hmm. but it has nothing to do with his lineage. It has everything to do with his legacy. Mm -hmm. Job 27 says that this is the portion of a wicked man with God and the heritage that oppressors receive from the Almighty. If his children are multiplied, it is for the sword and his descendants do not have enough bread. So the son of a wicked man, according to the, the theology of the day, the son of a wicked man would either be destined for death or destined to beg for food. And so we find Bartimaeus and what Mark wants us to understand is because of who his father was, who his father was, this man is now worthless on the side of the road begging for food because he does not have enough bread. So everything that we learn about Bartimaeus was that he was absolutely worthless in his society to the people. He contributed nothing. Yet he was valuable enough to Jesus that when Jesus heard his voice, Jesus stopped and called to him. Second takeaway this morning is that Jesus disrupts your sense of perception. Jesus disrupts your sense of perception. Listen, I don't know where you're at this morning. I have friends who, who 
for, for them, quarantine has literally changed nothing in their lives. Friends who were already working from home. Friends who are already homeschooling their children. I have friends who literally have, their, their lives have not changed one bit since coronavirus took over the world. I have other friends who have lost everything. Friends who have lost jobs. Friends who have lost loved ones. Friends who, whose lives have just been changed drastically. And I don't know where you're at and maybe you're feeling that life will never return to normal. And the thing that Jesus wants you to understand is that that's okay. Because every time there's a change, new birth can come out of it. New life can come out of it. Maybe, maybe you started homeschooling your children and thought, man, I could actually do this. And if I do this, then I can keep my kids away from some of the things that are happening in schools right now. Maybe you own your own business or maybe you lost a job and started a new business. You didn't ever think that you could do that. But Jesus wants you to understand that he wants you to change your perception. So that you can move through this time that we're all experiencing. Change your perception. Mark 10, 49 through 50. We read, and I can't help but absolutely love this moment in the story. Excuse me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Listen, I'm going to be completely honest with you. My self-talk is absolute garbage. My self-talk is garbage. And it's not something that I just woke up one day and decided like, you know what? I'm really overly positive about the way that I perceive myself, the way that I talk about myself. It's, it's not something that just happened. It's something that's been a process that God is still redeeming me from, still restoring me from. You know, when I was growing up, and I'm going to be honest again, it was a long time ago when I was growing up, but uh, we didn't really talk about bullying that much like we do today. And I was bullied even though I didn't realize it. I would go to school and there's several times I was physically assaulted. I would go to school and I was verbally abused. I remember riding the bus home from school one day and I had bruises on my hip because the kids behind me were just being really, really mean. I was marginalized for my appearance. First, it was because I was overweight. Second, because I started losing my hair when I was 14. And you know, high school is kind of an important social, right? Social milestone. I, my freshman year of high school, I was called Mr. Clean. I was called Homer Simpson. I was called all sorts of things that really devalued my sense of worth, my own sense of worth. And the thing that, the third thing that I want you to take away this morning is that Jesus disrupts your sense of self. Jesus disrupts your sense of timing. Jesus disrupts your sense of perception. And Jesus disrupts your sense of self. Bartimaeus has probably dealt with something similar his whole life. He's the son of Timaeus. He's the son of a wicked person. He's blind. He sits by the road and begs. He has nothing of value to contribute to society. He is absolutely worthless. And he's probably heard this every single day of his life. And yet the moment Jesus calls him out. The moment Jesus silences those who rebuke him to be silent, the moment this happens, he jumps up, he throws off his cloak, and he runs to Jesus. Because his perception of himself has been filtered through the gospel. He's no longer defined by the people who ridicule him for his situation in life. Jesus, son of David, came into his situation, and now he defines himself as one of the sons of David. 
And the cloak was a necessary part of Bartimaeus' identity because it was actually, it was kind of like a license to beg. Mm -hmm. It was distributed by the Roman Empire. And if you wore this cloak, you legally had the right to sit on the side of the road and beg for, from those who were passing by. Mm -hmm. And without even thinking about it, a single word from Jesus changes his own sense of identity. I am no longer defined by my, by my affliction. I am no longer defined by my poverty. I am defined by the fact that Jesus came to me and not only did he come to me, he called out to me. And in calling out to me, he has silenced those who have tried to shut me up. You can say anything to me now. You can call me Homer Simpson. You can call me Mr. Clean and I don't care. Because I understand that when I was sitting by the side of the road, Jesus came to me and he called to me. And now I identify myself as a child of the Most High God. And nothing you can say is ever going to change that. And Jesus wants you to experience that as well. Listen, I don't know how you define yourself. I don't know what struggles you've experienced, what things that you've been through. The, the names that I call myself, I can only imagine that there, some of you have called yourself similar things. Jesus gives you permission to stop being who they tell you that you are and start being everything that he created you to be. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. It's interesting to me that, that here's this blind man who's on the side of the road, and what would our assumption be about what he needs the most? What is the most important sense that Bartimaeus has? We would think it's his sight because it's the one that he asked for back. Mm -hmm. But I, I would like to suggest that his sense of sight isn't even his biggest sensory need. And as a blind man sitting on the side of the road, he needed his hearing because he needed to hear as people were passing by so that he would know to, to put out his hand and ask for a donation. And as a blind man sitting on the side of the road, he would need his sense of touch so that he could feel people as, the, as their wind would pass by him as they walked by. Mm -hmm. Or he needed to, to feel the dust or the pebbles that they were kicking up as he walked. Mm -hmm. We have this perception of what we feel we need. And it's not his eyesight. For Bartimaeus, he doesn't need his eyesight as much as he needed his voice. He needed his voice. And listen, here's the thing. He hears Jesus coming and he calls out Jesus, son of David. And the people with Jesus, this great crowd of disciples, turns around and takes from him the one single thing he needs more than anything. He needs his voice to cry out for help. He needs his voice to cry out to people passing by, please help me. And the ones who are following Jesus turn to him and they take away from him the single thing that he needs to survive. He doesn't need his eyesight. He needs his voice. And it's taken away from him. Jesus disrupts your sense of felt need. Jesus disrupts your sense of felt need. I don't know what it is that you feel like you need in your life. I know that I could use some more money. I know that I could use a bigger house and a faster car. If you're listening and you want to donate a Lamborghini, please feel free. I can DM you my... I'm just kidding. But we all have felt needs. And for Bartimaeus, his, his perceived need was his eyesight. But Jesus wants you to know that, that what you need might not be what you need. He needs a voice. 
And the thing about it is that Jesus doesn't always give us what we want, but he's always in time giving us what we need. His voice was taken to him and Jesus gives it right back. He says, listen, go and get him. And they go and say, get up. Jesus wants to talk to you. So here's Bartimaeus. He's had his voice taken away from him. And yet Jesus says, listen, go and get him. So they go say, get up. Jesus wants to talk to you. And and he comes to Jesus and Jesus looks at him and says, what do you want me to do for you? He gives him in that moment the very thing that he needs. He gives him his voice back. He was told to shut up. And now Jesus looks at him in the eye and says, I'm listening. Tell me what you need. And he says, more than anything, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. I'll never forget the first time I walked into the grocery store after all of this stuff started. And man, the place was empty. I'm not talking about shoppers. I'm talking about groceries. There was no milk. There were no eggs. There was no bread. There was like nothing in the store. No toilet paper. I have friends that are still looking for toilet paper. I had to ask my friend Erica to grab me paper towels the last time she was at Costco because... I have had no paper towels in my home for the last month. The thing about it is that we don't really need those things. We don't really need those things because we can find alternatives. I've started using, I started realizing how how much paper towels I'm wasting. (laughs) And just by using dish towels to wipe the counter or wipe up the spills off the floor, my sense of perception has shifted because Jesus stepped in and said, listen, The things that you think you need are not the things that you really need. And the thing about this story is that this story isn't about a healing. This story isn't about how Jesus gave sight back to a blind man. This story isn't about how Jesus found someone who who was in a situation of vulnerability, a situation where he was worthless to his society. This story is a story of resurrection. Jesus tells his disciples to go and get this man. And this person that they tried to silence, this person who they felt was worthless, this person who was dead on the side of the road, they come to him and they say, get up, get up. We've all found ourselves in situations where where life just isn't going the way that we wanted it to. We've all found our situations in in moments of fear and panic. This pandemic has, has changed everything. But it's in this very moment that Jesus wants to step in because he's heard you cry out. He wants to step in and he wants to revive and resuscitate and resurrect everything that you feel is dead and dying. Whatever it is that you feel that that is dying on the inside, Jesus has a simple word. Get up. This is a story of resurrection. And the thing about it is that that watch the pivot, right? So for, for Bartimaeus, he's sitting on the side of the road. It literally would be translated beside the way. And for Bartimaeus, who's someone who's who's stationed there, he, he doesn't have the opportunity to move because if he moves, he might miss out on some really needed income. So he's situated in the way on the side of the road. Have you ever felt like you've just been in the way? I have this pervasive feeling all the time. I'm always apologizing to my family when I'm in the kitchen making dinner and they come in to get something like I'm in their way. Mm 
And my perception of God is that I'm just in his way. Because I don't feel like I have anything valuable to contribute. I don't feel like I have anything to offer in the kingdom. I'm just in the way. Resurrection happens. Jesus says, go tell him, get up. So he springs up. And everything changes in that moment. From that moment forth, the text is very clear. It says that that Bartimaeus received his sight. Immediately, he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Bartimaeus has gone from in the way to on the way. He started out in the way and Jesus resurrected his situation and now has put him on mission. Jesus disrupts everything. He wants you to stop focusing on the the data that your eyes are telling you that are going on in this world. He wants you to to stop hearing all of the things that that cause more panic, more fear, more more chaos. He wants you to stop feeling the pinch of whatever it is that you're feeling. He wants to raise your life so that you can filter your experience in this world. Not only through his person, because he loves you enough to stop and lean in and listen to what you need because you are so valuable to him. But he also wants you to reframe your experience through this life because of what he did on the cross and how he came out of that tomb Sunday morning. The same resurrection that, that he performed on Easter Sunday is the same resurrection that he has worked in your life. You don't have to be in the way anymore. Because of what Jesus did for you, now you can be on your way. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.